This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your Monday, or maybe it's a Tuesday when you listen to this show, uh, January 10th, National Championship Day, Oregon's head coach, Dan Lanning, will be coaching his final game later tonight. Georgia Bulldogs against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And on today's show, we're going to kind of look at the the action that he's been doing behind the scenes at Oregon the last couple of weeks, landing a couple transfers. We already know Bo Nix is in the fold, but um, we've talked about Bo Nix at length here, so we're probably not going to spend too much uh, time on him, but they've added two other guys, and we we felt like we needed to discuss this. And I think it's important addition, especially on the defensive side of the football. Washington defensive tackle Sam uh, Tiamani, who has started I think 18 games in his career at at, at Washington, uh, and then they also added Christian Gonzalez. Uh, 18 straight starts for Colorado. At cornerback was a four-star safety out of Texas um, prior to going to Colorado. Two additions that I think you could just look, maybe brush broad strokes here, DJ James, Jason Jones out, Gonzalez, Tiamani in. Uh, yeah, I mean, that it, it's not obviously quite that simple, but it feels that simple in terms of positions being addressed. And I, I now think – Basically, three of the four position groups I think needed to be addressed in the portal have been. The only yeah. one remaining being receiver. Obviously, I think a quarterback was needed. Um, I, and I think the positions, like you said, because you lost a couple guys to transfer at defensive tackle and at corner, um, you needed to address it. And I thought Oregon went out, and I don't think it's – I'm not going to say it's an upgrade at corner because I think DJ James is a really good player. I should know, though, Christian Gonzalez was honorable mention all Pac-12. DJ James was not. So according to the coaches in the conference at least – um, Gonzalez is considered the superior player. Um, I also like I mean, just just really kind of initial reactions to the, the the kind of body types. Like Christian Gonzalez now, if you pair him with Tricos Bridges, that is that the biggest corners Oregon's ever had at six two and six three, both over two hundred pounds, like big, strong, sturdy frame bodies. Um, kind of a little bit of a difference from what we've seen. I know they've the last couple of years five eleven, you know, six foot, maybe six one, but a little leaner body types. These are two broad these are two guys by the way who were recruited to play safety at both schools that have both moved to corner and both kind of have that body type these are both basically safeties playing corner and you think about the body types we've already talked about at the safety position Oregon in the secondary could be like exclusively six two six three everybody's over 200 pounds and just be a bunch of big you know physical guys and that maybe helps a lot in run support so um, from just the additions, just kind of off the cuff, I, I really like Gonzalez in terms of fitting next to Bridges and how that could work, or maybe next to Manning, depending on who wins that job. Manning is a smaller body type um, compared to Bridges and, and Gonzalez, but I think it's a in, really interesting pairing. I think it was a needed one. I think the fact that there is obviously um, experience b- between Demetrius Martin, Oregon's new corners coach, and Gonzalez, who he coached last year um, at Colorado, last couple of years, 
that's 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 really helpful too. I mean, there's continuity here, um, and and really, I mean, you're you're seeing now continuity with all of those transfers. There's at least somebody currently on the staff who's worked on the same at the same program they've been at. Bo Nix and Dillingham at Auburn, and you know, I know it's offense defense, but even Junior Adams and Sam Taimani at Washington is is has some sort of experience. So there there's a little bit of an overlay here from a um, player coaching perspective, which I like as well. Um, Oregon on uh, at D tackle just really quickly. They are so deep now. I don't even know if Taimani starts, even though he was somebody. Yeah, probably not. I mean, Popo and Dorlis are going to make it tough. So, uh, really, really, I think positive additions. Obviously, I think there's more work to, to be done in terms of adding players, but great start. Great start for a staff that doesn't even have its head coach fully in Eugene yet to, yeah. to get these kind of players settled in. Like, this is this is pretty impressive stuff, I think. One oh, 100%. Quick... Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Oh, uh, uh, you want me to touch on the, the full-time coaching staff here? Yeah. Is that what you were going to do? Yeah, so basically as soon as we started this podcast, um, Oregon officially announced Tosh Lupoy as their defensive coordinator. Um, it was funny because right before the pod, it's like, ah, well, we'll wait to talk about the coaches once they announce. And then 30 seconds in, the, the full-time on-field coaching staff for new head coach Dan Lanning is now officially official. And so Luke Boy obviously was coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line. Um, season ended yesterday. Jaguars weren't so hot, but this means that it's a that Oregon can now officially take him away from Jacksonville and bring him to Eugene. Um, it was reported earlier this week that he was signing a three-year, $5.1 million deal to become their defensive coordinator, uh, $1.7 million a year. Um, and now he's he's official. He's going to be coming to Eugene um, under Dan Lanning and, and bringing his recruiting services with him. I think on Wednesday we'll dive full scope into this coaching staff, but uh, we'll, we'll keep charging on with this podcast, uh, <laughs> looking at the, the additions that they've added. And, and Eric, you brought up the fact that you don't even know if uh, Sam will, will start at defensive line for Oregon and I think that in of itself tells you the depth that they now have and why this is such a big addition because Pro Football Focus released their grades for the 2021 season in the Pac-12. Uh, and among interior defensive linemen, Oregon now has the top two guys, Popo Amave, Brandon Dorless, and they have three of the top five interior defensive linemen in the Pac-12 returning in 2022. So I, I think you look at this D-line with Popo, Brandon, Sam, and then you throw in Keon Ware Hudson, who played quite a bit, Christian Williams, who has played quite a bit. And now all of a sudden, you've got a really strong rotation and the depth that's necessary to, to play football at a high level up front and in the trenches. And I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that, hey, Oregon should be, should be really stout against the run in 2022 and that should help everything on the defense in the back end. Like I, I don't want to come out here and say Oregon's defensive line should automatically make Oregon's overall defense, a top five defense in the country. But I, I, I really think because of the addition of Sam, the depth that they have in the interior and what, what they have around the defensive line, I think it's safe to say that this this should be a really good season for Oregon on defense in 2022. And I'll be pretty disappointed if they've got major deficiencies 
uh, on that side of the football. Well, especially with the staff, you're just seeing come to come, you know, come into place here. Um, I mean, Dan Lanning is a defensive coach who's been extremely highly respected nationally. And I think we've talked about this before. If, if this team is markedly better on offense than defense and defenses, like you said, has some deficiencies and maybe it just isn't very good. I think that's going to be very problematic for, for Dan to kind of come out. And that's going to be his side of the football. You know, Tosh Lupoi might have just been hired to be the defensive coordinator. Tosh will have his finger points, you know, prints all over the defense, I'm sure, as will co-defensive coordinator Matt Pallage. Um, but this is ultimately – Dan's going to have a huge role with this group. I don't think there's any question about it. And if they are lacking, that is going to be largely on his shoulders, or at least that's going to be the perception, fair or not. So I, ex- I expect this to be a good defense almost regardless of some of the personnel stuff. That's probably a little unfair. But I think if they get all of this short up, they could be a very good defense and one of the more you know competitive defense the Pac-12, um, you know that, that Oregon has had in the last couple of years. I should say I don't, I don't maybe I shouldn't say the Pac-12 has had, but this this could be a very strong defense. I don't think there's any question about it. And the depth in the interior line is great. Um, obviously, I am very high on what you have at linebacker and what you have at safety. I continue to be concerned at corner, but a guy like Gonzalez shores that up for me. You know, you bring in somebody who can at least say they've been a starting corner in five yep. football and not been bad been honorable mention all conference i was just looking through the pac-12 honorable mention i think obviously there are four players on the first and second team at corner so that's four players that are considered better than him but only five other players join him on honorable mention at corner so they're saying he's one of the 10 best corners in the pac-12 yep not 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 an elite elite but that means he's one of the I and mean, he's a top guy and this is as a, as a second year freshman too so um, the upside's really high here. I I, I, I like this addition. Personally, I, I wouldn't hate seeing another addition from a corner spot. By the way, his teammate, fellow starting corner at Colorado, um, Makai Blackman, also entered the portal. I'd be curious to see this coach meet, just bring his two starting corners from Colorado to over to Oregon. I, I, that's, we're not reporting that, but hypothetically, could be. Funny. Kind of, I mean, there's obvious connections there with his yep former starter and his former position coach at Oregon now. So could Blackman be someone to join? He was also honorable mention all conference. So kind of similar footing those two had. Um, that's kind of the name I'm at least monitoring. I don't know if, you know, what the background is there necessarily, but there's certainly kind of the, the basics that make sense for why that could work out. And I think if you're Oregon, I think you want a little bit more experience. Um, you know, I think you need to add a couple more players. You know, as we talked about, there's not a lot of experience period from this group. So Corner is the real concern for me on defense still. Um, I, I feel really good about everything else. I, I guess I still want to know where the pass rush is coming off the edge, probably. I mean, I think that you're, it's going to be difficult to replace production from Kayvon Thibodeau. But overall, like, I, I agree, Matt. The defense is coming together, and it's coming into shape. And I think you look and go with someone like Dan Lanning and someone like Tosh Dupoy and some of the other coaches on staff, they came with the veterans there. This defense, and there's no reason. There's, there are very little excuses that this defense should be very, very good next year. And that, again, that Oregon shouldn't be highly competitive in all of its games because of it. I agree. I mean, it's this defense was a it was a good rush defense last year. Obviously, passing defense was less than satisfactory. Um, a lot of that goes into the injuries that they suffered early in the season. And honestly, a lot of the defensive efficiencies or deficiencies, in my opinion were because of the injuries that they suffered really yeah. early into the season. Um, we've been over this a million times, but converting Jeffrey Bossa from a safety to a linebacker, um, having to play Keith Brown when he probably wasn't ready, uh, having to play for a walk on Nate Hukliani, a lot of snaps and basically eight or nine games during the season. Um, that could have 
you know, severe issues on your defense and, and the total capabilities that they have and the ceiling that they have. Um, but bringing in Tamani and Gonzalez, um, those guys sure up some positions where you might have needed a little more depth, especially a cornerback, obviously. Um, Eric touched on how stacked the interior defensive line is right now, where Tamani, who's a uh, uh, 18-game starter at Washington, something like that, um, probably doesn't start this year, barring an injury with Popo and Brandon Dorless. Um, that's impressive. Um, he had 40, uh, Tamani had 43 tackles this past season at Washington as a defensive lineman or interior defensive lineman, which is pretty tough to do. Um, that being said, Washington's, Washington's defense wasn't great against the run, so a lot of teams were going right up the middle and giving him opportunities to tackle. Um, you know, he had a nine-tackle game against Oregon State. I don't know when the last time you guys saw an a, a interior defensive lineman have nine tackles in a game, but he did it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this defense could be really good. Um, I think they will be really good in the run game. Um, I worry about them in the passing game for cornerbacks, obviously, just the depth there. Um, I like Gonzalez. I haven't watched too much tape on him, but just from general points of what I've seen and how he's graded on PFF, um, not that PFF means everything, but I do, you know, I, I'm an analytical guy, so I do like to look at those. Um, I think he could be a welcomed addition. Um, I would hope that he can be somewhat up to caliber that the DJ James was, because I, I do really like DJ James as a player. Um, so yeah, I worry about the passing defense just because the corners and the potential inability to create a pass rush. And until that is, until I see that it happens in front of my own two eyes where Oregon can dependably create a pass rush without Kayvon Thibodeau on its roster, I won't believe it. So until that first game, until that spring game, whatever the case may be, where I see Brandon Swinson has turned into a monster or, or somebody has stepped up and become a much better player or Oregon goes to the transfer portal and lands somebody or uh, one of their new freshmen comes in is just way better than everybody else had anticipated. Um, I don't necessarily know that they'll be able to provide a consistent pass rush because now taking place of Kayvon Thibodeau as the best pass rusher on the team is Brandon Dorless, who's going to be an interior lineman. So it's already going to be harder to get a pass rush and teams will, will double team him like they did with Thibodeau. Uh, he doesn't have a version of Brandon Dorless on the edge to really help him out, at least not yet. And so that's what I'm worried about the most when it comes to this defense. But if they find somebody who can, who can just, maybe it's a trio of people who can replicate the potential impact that Thibodeau had. Um, I think they can be a good defense. It's just depending on if they can do that. And that's a lot to ask because you're replacing a potential top three NFL draft pick in Thibodeau. Um, but I, but even still, I don't know if they have just a, um, an elite pass rusher on this roster yet. And with that, like I'm, I'm still worried about that in that sense. But I do think the run defense will be good. Um, I think the middle linebacker play or linebacker play in general is going to be outstanding. Um, hopefully, like Justin Flo comes back fully healthy from his injury. We may finally, you know, knock on wood. We may finally get to see a full season of Justin Flo and Noah Sewell, which would be spectacular. Um, but yeah, those are my two concerns. I think that those are, but those are about it. I would say feel good about safety, linebacker, defensive line, um, other than edge and corner. I, I just had one thing on the pass rush because I, I did. I've done a little Dan Lanning read up. He uses simulated pressures at a higher rate than any other school in the country. 
what that does is, is it's kind of like you're bringing pressures from unexpected places and you have the guys drop back. And so maybe what Oregon does is, is they simulate the pass rush, not from a traditional Braden Swinson's just going to beat this guy one-on-one, but they're bringing players from all over the place. And it's just a very exotic, unexpected. I mean, Oregon does have the athletes to do that. And maybe that's how they get away with lacking that go-to kind of elite pass rusher. It's just a thought I've had kind of as we talk through this, because I do have this, I think we all have the same concerns about replacing that with one player. It's probably not going to be done. Maybe they can find a way to just get creative. And it's a collection of guys at the second level that are, are you know, whether it be bringing Bennett Williams out as a safety, you know, to rush and, and dropping a guy into coverage in place of them or something. Right. So just, just that could be something that could play into it too. Something that I really like about Christian Gonzalez is the fact that he's, he'll have three years of eligibility um next you know starting next season now granted he could technically go pro after the 2022 football season if he wanted to because that would be his third year removed from high school football um he's it's a little wonky because of covid but i like the fact that both tiamani and gonzalez have multiple years of of eligibility remaining if they want to use it and it's not just a one-year stopgap um it, it you know could could you argue that there's a positive aspect of taking a one and done transfer yeah absolutely it, it it keeps turning the roster over and gives you an opportunity to to be good in 22 with depth and yet it doesn't hurt you long term but i think with both of these guys they're players that you look at and say they could be multi-year starters at Oregon it's not like you're 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 plucking someone and saying you know they're going to be the the fifth cornerback for three years at Oregon. Um, that those are different types of additions, um, which kind of segues into the the second part of this podcast here. Um, Oregon's roster is starting to fill up here a little bit. Um, I, I think they've got one available scholarship to use at their disposal before any transfer has to happen from someone on the roster. And look, or someone goes pro. Like, we don't know what, what Travis Dye or C.J. Verdell um, are going to do. We don't know if D.J. Johnson has pulled his name out of the uh, NFL draft or Carson Battles has pulled his name out of the NFL draft because those players, guys that are going to be seniors in 2022, they are automatically entered into the NFL draft and they have to remove themselves from it if they want to come back school we we don't know yet we won't know for a while unless they announce it themselves but so there could be a couple more you know departures for, for the draft i don't think anyone really is expecting anyone besides verdell or die um and then there's transfers and there's plenty of them that that could happen we're not going to speculate on specifically who but that could open up a couple more spots for oregon and dan laning and his staff to go out and and, and find players and i almost think guys there's maybe a, a couple of high school players worth going after um, this second period, but most of the work should be done via transfer, in, in my eyes, of trying to fill holes on this roster. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see where they go. I mean, I think there's – we opened the podcast, and I talked about how I thought they'd addressed basically three of the four position groups that, that were needed. And, you know, I think I went into the offseason thinking, let's go – you need to find a quarterback – you need to find receivers, which is where you need to go next, and then defensively, interior defensive line, and, and then some cornerback help. And like I said, three out of four are down. I I think it'll be very interesting to see where they go in the portal 
at receiver or if they go after prep players. Um, Arliss Boardingham is a player we know um, as a prep. Uh, you know, Brandon Rice is a player who's in the portal right now that has probably got some interest from Oregon. I would assume yeah. has interest himself in Oregon. I think he's making a decision this week. Wednesday. Um, that could, yeah, Wednesday. So that could shore up some of that. Um, we should note, by the way, that Oregon did make a pair of 2022 defensive back offers um, this yeah. past week. I've got it in my recapping. Uh, Kamari Terrell and Miguel, uh, I believe it's Mitchell, um, a couple of defensive backs. So those are kind of names to know going forward. But, yeah, no, receiver, uh, it, you have to add. You do. You just have to add. You can't come away with six, seven guys if we're going to include Delgado in the mix. We keep including seven McGee at receiver while he's, I think, probably a little bit of both receiver and running back and probably some of where he plays is going to be dependent upon what they bring in around him. Um, I think receiver is a big need to me. And I, I'm i not going to sit here and say where it's going to come from because, frankly, we don't know. But I think you have to bring in at least one, probably two guys, whether it be freshman or portal, to just sort of solidify that position group because the last thing you want is injuries to hit you hard like we've seen this year. And now you're relying on on walk-ons, or maybe you're starting now. Suddenly, guys you've brought in as purely depth pieces, like you, you don't have a lot of room to work around with. So, um, you got to add some guys. And I, I think I think personally, a Boardingham with his size is interesting. Yeah. I also think I think you've got great speed, but I wouldn't mind going and finding a, like a straight track speed kind of burner guy. Who's, who can really take the top off. Obviously we saw a little bit of that with Thornton and Franklin and Hudson at the end of the year, but and maybe this is me just overlooking the fact that Oregon didn't seem like they threw it deep very often. Um, so I'm minimizing some of the traits that some of these guys have, but I, I don't know if I go into the year feeling wholly confident that they have that, that top end guy who can really stretch the defense consistently. And I think that's something to, to maybe take a look at as well. Yeah, Matt, I uh, 100% agree with you where I think Oregon has to look through the portal more than it does through like the high school, the prep level. Um, I think specifically they got to look for guys who have multiple years of eligibility left, not just a one and done player, um, a grad transfer that, um, and yeah, shoring up the, the wide receiver room, as Eric mentioned, I think is priority number one. Um, I, again, we, we all like their top three of Thornton, Franklin and Hudson. Um, and even their top four, if you want to include seven McGee as a true slot wide receiver, uh, I think all of those guys can play. They showed it at the Alamo Bowl. Um, they showed it a bit against Oregon State. Um, those guys are talented. Um, Franklin was a borderline five-star prospect. Thornton was a high four-star prospect. Uh, Chris Hudson was a four-star prospect coming out of high school. Um, you know, these guys are really talented. And Chris Hudson was uh, remarkable at the end of the season. Um, he was kind of like second, third-string guy who didn't get a lot of playing time once – once Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red and Pittman left the program, once those guys went out, um, he immediately stepped up and really played well. So that has me um, cautiously optimistic for next year in terms of his potential and his growth. Um, I just really like him as a player. He's a smooth, smooth route runner and really gets downhill fast, and it's really evasive too, elusive, I should say. And But even still, it's just the depth behind um, – I don't know, they probably – what is there, like six or seven viable wide receivers right now on the roster? If you include Something seven. Like that. If, yeah, you, if you include well, seven, it's eight guys. That's just too little. Because, like, I mean, Oregon lost Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson in two weeks. And, and Pittman in, in the two weeks. That's three. So, technically, if you were going to go next season and have three guys get season-ending injuries, you'd have five dudes. 
just not not nearly not enough. enough. And so not enough. Yeah, they probably need at least three more guys. Um, I think the portal is where to hit it. Um, maybe two portals, one high school kid. I think would probably be the most ideal if you at least if you get those portal guys have um, extra years of eligibility, but. Uh, they just need someone who can make an immediate impact if one of their three or four top guys go down uh, because the depth behind is, is could be talented and is talented, but it's relatively unproven. And right. so if you can get somebody who just has a year of experience, has played nine games, has like 20 catches, that's all you could really need. You just need somebody who knows football, who knows how to play at the collegiate and the power five level specifically. Now, the, the, I agree with Jared, the type of player that, that he's talking about. But I honestly think they could raid their own roster for one of those players, for one of those three players. Because I, I agree, you got to hit the portal. You got to maybe add one high school guy. But Brian Addison is on this roster, um, and he has played, started games at receiver. And in 2019, he had 18 receptions for 203 yards and one touchdown. Um, he played in all 14 games for the Ducks that year. And I just, I, I look at that and I kind of think he was supposed to be what we saw from Devin Williams in 2020 and 2021. Um, we, we all had high hopes for him and, and were optimistic that he would kind of turn into this big play receiver threat. And I kind of wonder if we're going to see that play out a, a second time at Oregon where, he shifts back to offense to fill one of those spots. Cause I, I, I be real here. He's probably not going to play a lot over Bennett Williams, Jamal Hill, Steve Stevens. And now you throw in uh, a Jeffrey Bossa. We already know Damon David was getting in a, a little bit ahead of him as well. Um, playing time will be hard, I, I think. And you have a log jam at that position and a need at another one that he's played before. I, I, I think it it makes too much sense for Addison not to at least try that move again. It's the Daywood Davis experience all over again, really. I mean, just moving guys back and forth between offense, defense, similar position groups. Um, I think Ryan has proven to be valuable in both areas, but not an extraordinary talent either thus far, I think is the fair way of saying it. And that's, I mean, I don't think that's, too much of a slight because he was moved to defensive back because they didn't think he was going to play receiver. And now we're talking about doing the inverse because playing time is hard at defensive back. It's been hard for him to kind of get his footing and who knows, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe he really just needs to come back to offense and it'll work out. I, I don't know. I, I do think my, my cons, my, my idea, I don't think he's a super high ceiling player at receiver, True, but I think you need bodies and I don't have any doubt he can be productive if you throw him out there. Um, I don't, I, I don't question that really at all. Um, but also I'm not sure I'm expecting him to move over and be more than your fifth, sixth or seventh best wide receiver, just based upon what he's done so far. I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but definitely a name that definitely an interesting name to watch. I mean, it would be worth taking the risk on. I think yeah. that, you know, he has experience playing with Oregon as a wide receiver and as in the secondary, obviously where he played last year. Um, but like Eric said, you just kind of need bodies at this point and maybe this time around something clicks or maybe it doesn't. And he's just somebody who can get you 20 catches in a year and just provide you an option on, um, if someone's banged up and he can go get you some snaps or 
Um, you know, he still has top end speed. He can still be a deep guy threat. Uh, you know, that's why they throw him at safety is because he can go track down balls. Um, whether or not he's the best at it on the team, probably not. But um, he could still potentially be an asset, be a weapon for this team. Um, but, yeah, I think most importantly, this is all about getting bodies into the wide receiver room. Um, people who know how to play uh, the position, people who have played the position at the power five level, who have experience in running offensive sets. Um, and if Brian is up for it, I think they should do it. It just, I don't know, I, I feel bad for the kid just going back and forth and back and forth because he was, you know, a top 100 recruit out of high school or just about. And for him to go from, you know, being from a safety to wide receiver, wide receiver, safety, and going back and forth, I, I do kind of feel bad for him in that sense. But uh, this is a new staff. Maybe maybe if it, the team were still in Amari Cristobal, that doesn't happen um, in terms of moving him back. But I think this staff needs to do whatever is best for the wide receiver room. And if that means moving him back, I think they're going to at least talk to him about it and see if that can happen. Aside from the receiver room, I guys, I don't really know if there's another position where you say definitively they need to go out and find a transfer on either end of the roster. I mean, I think you could maybe argue the value of, a, of like an inside linebacker, maybe another cornerback. Um, but I don't know if there's anyone, any other position group where you're sitting here saying they're, they're screwed if they don't add anybody. Um, they've got enough depth at some spots, but there's certainly a few, like I said, linebacker corner where it maybe would be beneficial, but you can get by with what you have. I'd address corner. I think I don't, I, I don't know about line. I, uh, I don't know. I'm not as concerned at linebacker. I, I think adding, obviously adding bodies is helpful because we just saw this last year, a lack of depth really impact things. Um, I also think that was just incredibly bad luck because I actually thought they were really deep at inside linebacker going into the year. And then they suddenly were. they, they, they were. <laughs> back over. I mean, so maybe, 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 maybe you learn from that and you do take another uh, guy out of, you know, the portal. Uh, I, I just think corner remains a position to address, um, you know, and, and I will say if Jaleel Florence, another top 70 corner recruit nationally and i should say top 70 national recruit not top 70 corner rank seven i think under 70 nationally he's considering oregon and if he gets back in the fold and he picks oregon i i think i feel okay about things because you got your your veteran guy in gonzalez and now you have your two big time prep recruits and the two jaleels high school teammates out of lincoln and san diego in, in tucker and florence probably set there but I, I still think corner is a position i still i know gonzalez is a nice addition i really like the addition as i've said I still would like to see at least another body or two brought in to kind of shore that up. I, I, I'm still, I still don't know exactly what you have. And if you're trying to talk about winning really high level in Dan Lanning's first year, to me, you need to, to still continue to make some, I don't know, make some build, build that roster a little bit in the second. I'm just a little concerned still about corner, but not, not overly concerned. I feel better with, with the Gonzalez edition. I feel better with the Gonzalez edition as well, but you absolutely need to continue to provide depth there. Um, they don't, Right now, they don't have anybody who's like a significant lockdown corner. Um, Gonzalez is probably moves into that role immediately as the number one, maybe. I mean, there'll probably be a competition between him, Bridges, and Manning. Um, statistically speaking, like Gonzalez is probably the best of the three. Uh, and that could all change over the summer and over spring ball and everything like that. But corner continues to be a position of need that they need to get uh, some depth and some talent in there. Um, Linebacker for 
I, I, I this is kind of like a, a PTSD thing from this last season. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of felt the same way, Matt, about linebacker. Um, but you know, knocking on wood again, everybody should come back healthy from that room. Obviously, they lose Drew Mathis because he's graduating. Um, you still have Flo, Keith Brown, Noah Sewell, Jackson LaDuke. Um, and then you still have two uh, incoming recruits and Devin Jackson, Harrison Taggart at linebacker. So that'll provide some more depth. Um, it wouldn't, it de just depending on their scholarship allowance, allowance, I guess, um, maybe like you hit, hit another linebacker just in, in absolute fear of what happened last year. Um, but I think, I think other than that, I'm not, there's not an, another position group that obviously pops out. Um, I'd like to see them go after an edge rusher if there is somebody in the portal. Um, I've talked about this before, but if you're a good, ed good edge rusher at a decent school, you're probably not going to leave just because you're top dog there. There's no yeah. reason to leave. Um, like you're not going to see a first string guy from Auburn or LSU or something like that hit the portal more often than not. Um, if Oregon could find a diamond in the rough, like a, yeah, like a not like a group of five guy who hits the portal and is looking for a new opportunity. Sure, I would take a take a flyer on that and just see what he can do. But that would be the only other position that I would really like to see Oregon hit. Um, I had talked about how I wanted to see them hit offensive line, depending on who came back. Um, everybody but George Moore is back, so I think the depth there is pretty astounding, and it should be. Remarkable. It should be exactly the same as it was this year in terms of depth where we saw Oregon go through eight or nine offensive linemen in games. So that's not worrisome. Uh, quarterback seems to be pretty deep, maybe get one more. But I think I'd rather go prep than transfer portal. Um, maybe a tight end if there's some guy out there who can really make an impact. But I do like who's at the tight end position group right now. I could go through the whole roster, so I'll probably stop now. But just <laughs> quarterbacks and – and for the love of God, maybe just another linebacker to save us and our sanity. All right, that's going to do it for us here on this edition of the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, next up, we will record a Wednesday show breaking down this coaching staff, our thoughts on the full staff as it's now been announced. Um, all position coaches are in. Um, we've got some recruiting coaching hires that have been made, uh, and it's a big name on this list. So we'll, we'll break through that. We'll also discuss a little bit uh, down the road of just Dan Lanning's, you know, what he faces now at Oregon, now that his uh, time at Georgia would be up. So look for those to come on the podcast feed here in the next couple of days, week or so. Um, and until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.